This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. Stanley Howard Walsh, uh, he is a professor at Duke University. I've read some of his stuff, and uh, he wrote an article published in Christian Century. Uh, and he said this, we never know whom we marry. We just think we do. Or even if we first marry the right person, just give it a little time. And he or she will change. The problem we face is learning how to love the stranger to whom we are married to. So <clears throat> let's look at this. Uh, why does this happen? Well, isn't it amazing how God call, requires change in everything? I mean, no two days are alike. And you can almost say no two moments are alike. Um, you know, when we lived in Los Angeles, uh, Boy, the women out there, they fight tooth and nail to, to keep from aging, but it still happens. You'll see a 70-year-old woman that's had so much plastic surgery, you think she's going to break. If she moves, her face looks like she's been in a wind tunnel and all of this. And what is she doing? She's trying to stop change. But you know what? Change is going to happen. While you're sitting here, your body is changing. You are changing. Every moment of your life, you're different from the, the moment before. You will never be the same. You can't stay the same. And yet there is something inside us. And of course, psychologists will tell us it's because of death and not wanting to, for death to come and get us. We're not wanting to die. So we're wanting to, to, to keep ourselves and lock into a moment and stay there forever. But the truth is, no one can stay the same. I am not the same man Denise married in 1967, August the 4th, 1967. Time, responsibilities, pains and disappointments, life and age all bring about change in every one of us. Everybody say, I am changing. Now say that again. I am changing. Say it again. I am changing. Now listen, you are changing. And the thing you want to do is make sure it's for the best. When we talk about change, that means this, that two people who the two people who stand at the altar and say, I do, will not be the same two people a few years later. They both will be different. Now, let's look at this. When we get married, we come in through what uh, psych some psychologists called the in-love phase. The in-love phase. This is where most marriages begin. 
We are in love, and that is all that matters. Oh, I remember that's the way it was for Denise and I. We were in love, and everybody was saying, you're crazy. Listen, she was 16 years old, and I was 12. And (laughs) she was 16, and I was 20. And I mean, that's not even right. Uh, I remember when our kids became 16, especially when Stacy, she turned 16 and Denise said, you realize, and I didn't want her to date. I didn't want a guy around her. I mean, if I could have, I'm doing the preaching. If I could have had my way, I would have put up, you know, armed guards around Stacy everywhere she went. And I would have had them. I'd say, shoot any boy that even looks at her funny, you know? Uh, and Denise would say, do you realize She's the age I was when we got married. I'd say, shut up. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. You know? Uh, oh, it's, it's wild. When we got married, I was 20, she was 16. We were so in love. That was all that mattered, you know? And people told us, my dad sat down and gave me a speech. He tried to do everything to change my mind. I'd quit college. I'd been going to the University of Alabama. And I'd, I'd quit there just so I could be around Denise and... And he said, what are you going to do with your life? You know, and he said, you need to get an education. He was wanting, I was in pre-law and he wanted me to uh, become a lawyer. And that was his plan for my life. And, but I was in love and that was all that mattered. And he said, you're not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to support you. And I said, I'm not asking you to support me. And he said, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And you know what? I didn't even think about what I was going to do. I didn't want to think about what I was going to do. I was in love. And Denise's friends and her mother and other people, what are you doing? You shouldn't, you're too young to get married, you know, but hey, we're in love. And everybody said, there's no way you're going to make it. Neither one of you have a clue. And they were totally, totally right. We didn't have a clue. Um, we, we had no idea. But see, when you're in that phase, love covers it all. People say, how are you going to live? I'd say, well, live on love. And my dad said, we'll see how long that lasts. You know, in this phase, we're blind either by choice or by love to who our mate really is and their flaws. You know, marriage doesn't, and relationship doesn't create the flaws. Now, it can create new flaws or new pains and hurts, but it doesn't create the flaws. All it does is expose them. Marriage is like, you know, it's kind of like each person's kind of like a, a, an old, <laughs> you're not going to like this, an old covered bridge, wooden covered bridge and somewhere down in some small town in Alabama or up in New England or somewhere, you know, got this little old covered bridge. It's wood. It's beautiful. You take pictures of it. And it was made for horses and carriages and people to walk across and But all of a sudden, you look at it and think, man, that thing's in such good condition. But you put a 10-ton Mack truck, all of a sudden start to drive across that thing, you'll hear all kinds of sounds. You'll see cracks begin to be exposed, and you'll see faults everywhere in it. Did the truck cause the faults? No. It merely, the pressure and the stress exposed What was already there? Are you listening to me? And marriage is that way. Marriage is not the reason for the faults. 
But the stress and the pressure of the relationship exposes the false. That's why, you know, some people, I've had friends, oh, guy, you know, guys I went to school with, they, I'll never get married, man. And, you know, they say all these things and, and all this, and they think they're cool and all this. But, you know, you sit down and talk to them, they say, man, I don't want to get married because if I got married, I'm, I mean, they'd, they'd know who I am. And, and I would show up. You know, and we realize that marriage or that a relationship that is lived over time together will eventually show the real us, everything about us, not just our best presentation of us. In the in love phase, we're caught up in the feeling of being in love, but we're, we don't understand the covenant of love. And this phase is the stuff that romantic movies and novels focus on. Uh, it, we love it. We go, oh, you know, especially the women do. Denise go, oh, that's so sweet and everything. She, you know, it is. It's the, it's the warm fuzzy. It's the thing. But the trouble is that phase usually lasts about two months to maybe two years. In some cases, it only lasts a few days. But it's not going to last forever. It will only last a short well. Wow. And eventually it passes and suddenly we see the flaws of the other person. And here's what happens. We begin fussing. We fuss about everything. All of a sudden we're fussing about this, fussing about that. And generally our fussing is not, our quarrels are not about monumental things. It's not because of some big deal, but everything is a deal. And the reason it is, is because the underlying real issue is that there are things that you do that irritate your mate and there are things that they do that irritate you. When all of a sudden we get past the in love phase and we're having to build something, we're having to create a marriage, a relationship, we, all of us, we suddenly are awakened to what was there all along. The way you do the toothpaste. The way... You do your clothes, the way you do the dishes, just leave them there. The way you handle money, the way everything. We're, it's all these things. But you see, it's to us, there are flaws and they see them in us. Now we see theirs. And suddenly those flaws begin to show up. And inside, we hold them inside and we're irritated. There's an irritation that's just there. Inside us about that mate. They're, they're every, something, we're just irritated. So it doesn't matter. They can do the smallest thing and we just. And we say, it seems like you're always mad at me. I am. <laughs> now at this point, here's where we come to a very critical juncture in any relationship. And in the marriage. And at this point, we will either work together to build from this point to resolve our issues and build the very best relationship we can, or we will do one of two other things. One is we will divorce, and this is where most divorces happen, or we will do what Denise calls and teaches about. And in our next marriage series, you probably need to teach on it, what she calls the undivorced. And this is two people who are married, 
but they don't have a marriage. So I want to answer the question right now. Let's, let's look at something. Are you stuck in limbo? Is your marriage, your relationship stuck in limbo? What do we mean by that? that when we get stuck in limbo in a lot of marriages, because they don't understand the skills needed, they don't understand where they are. They don't understand that this is at the right place. They're at the right place in their marriage because we are supposed to get past the in love phase. Doesn't mean we stop loving, but we move past the euphoria of feeling in love to where we now are going to start acting out love. And our relationship's not built on the feeling of love we have, though we still feel we're still in love, but it's built on a deeper foundation, the bedrock of our covenant with one another because I love you so deeply, I am committed for life. Now, when you're stuck in limbo, see, you've, you're past the in love phase, but you're not moving on and saying, all right, let's build something together. You're not like Home Depot and saying, let's build something. And in limbo, here's what happens. I'm going to describe it to you. And you see if it's where you are. One partner refuses to deal with the obvious. What is the obvious? Something's wrong in this. Something's wrong in the relationship here. That's what we feel, we think. All right? One partner refuses to deal with it and is willing for the marriage to stay like it is. And guys, I'm sorry to say that in most cases, that's us. Uh, We're... What's wrong with this house? What's wrong with your car? What's wrong with that dress? I bought it for you five years ago. What's wrong with me? What's wrong? Everything's fine. I have, we got a flat screen TV, a big screen. I've got sports channel. What could be wrong? Isn't marriage, isn't this great? Now, it's not always the guy, but guys, I'm sorry. Lots of times it is us. One partner says, I'm not going to deal with it. This is, everything's fine. The other partner is not willing to say that. And they start searching for a resolution. They search. Here's what they're searching for. They're going to search for what they sense was lost. We've lost something. And I want to find it. I want us to rediscover this. Watch. You'll see it in romantic movies. I want us to rediscover who we are. Rediscover that. What they're talking about. They want to rediscover the euphoria of the in love phase. Because it's almost like a drug. I mean, you feel good. It makes you feel euphoric. Oh, this is wonderful. It heals the hurts. It's, oh, it's just, it's wonderful. And so we want to rediscover that. And so we start searching for that. And first they will search within the marriage. That's where they're going to look first. But if the other partner has determined to be blind and deaf and dumb to what is happening, then the other partner will begin to search outside. And that is a fact of life. Because they're searching for it. They've got to have it. 
and they're not willing to do like the other partner and say, I'm willing to give up this in my life. I'm just willing to give up and never be happy. They're going to start searching. They look in the marriage. They'll give signals and they'll do all kinds of things to try to say, let's recreate it. But if the other mate is just acting dumb and refuses and light and is willing to stay in this state of limbo, then that other mate will begin to look outside. Now this opens the door for all number of wrong things to happen. It can even go so far as adultery. But in any case, it is never a safe place. Because when I begin to look for for female friendship, I enjoy talking to a woman more than I do her, something's wrong. Even if I never do anything, it's still not right. I'm breaking a covenant relationship. If I, if I find I laugh and have more fun with her, or if she did, then something, open, I open the door for things. Denise and I went through this when I was in college uh, after we got married and I went back to college and uh, I won't get into all of it. She may share it at one time, but we went through that where I was, I wanted, I wanted to say I'm too busy, too much is going on. I was working a full-time job and taking an extra load, 24 hours of college. I was doing in a, in a, a, a quarter. And so I was at school or work all the time. I literally, the most I could sleep a night is two hours. Generally I slept an hour per night and worked all the time. And I functioned off of that, except on my day off, I'd sleep like 17, 18 hours. And then I had one day off and then back to work, back to school and all that. And Denise, she was searching saying, where is this? We've lost it. And she would talk to me and get, you know, first going to give signals. And when you run all the red lights, cause you're not looking at the signals then they begin to, you know, she became the traffic cop saying, stop, I want to talk to you. And she tried to talk to me, but that, you know, uh, uh, we came to that point and we had to make a decision. This is the point right here. When a marriage is at this point, it's where many marriages end to being stuck in what is called nothingness. It's just nothing. It's nothing. I love him. I love her. But it's nothing. You see it in the movies. You see it in life. You talk, you may have friends or relatives that said, I don't know. It's just not there anymore. It's gone. And that's when they've allowed this place of limbo to become the burial place of marriages. Now, when we are at this place, there are four courses, four roads, only four roads leading out. No matter who we are, there are only four roads leading out. One is this. I'm going to tell you the four roads. Number one, one or both decide, I am no longer in love with you. I want a divorce. And so they end the marriage. That's one route. Second route is this. Believe it or not, this is a very popular one. Children come along and they provide enough distraction 
that they're able, the relationship, the marriage is able to carry on. These are the couples that you see get divorced after 20 years or 22 years or 25 years of marriage because they are, their distraction, the children and raising children and taking care of the children and loving the children was enough distraction to get them, to enable them to survive this no man's land, this nothingness that is in their relationship. And so the, the marriage became about raising children, not about building a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. But the trouble is when the children are gone, when they go off to college, they get married or whatever the case may be, when they leave home, all of a sudden, here's two people that have no relationship standing there looking at each other. And they're the ones that eat the meal and they sit there and Denise and I sit at the restaurants and they come in and they're on their phones and they never say a word to each other. And you realize where they are. And all of a sudden they, they get marriage. I mean, get divorced. Because there's nothing to take them any further. The third road is this. Both give up on the marriage. But they choose to stay and coexist. Not because of children. But just because of maybe religious beliefs are because of financial things. The woman decides it's more convenient to stay where I'll be taken care of than to get out. Or the guy may decide the divorce would cost me more than I can afford right now. She'll take me to the cleaners and I'll leave but naked <laughs> without the clothes at the cleaners. And uh, so they decide... Let's, I'm just going to stay in this. And so they are together, but there is no relationship, no marriage. And that is what Denise calls, they're one of the couples that Denise calls, is, calls the undivorced. Now let me tell you the fourth route that we can take, the fourth path. Now, these four paths that I just told you are the only four paths we can take. There's not any other choices. There's only four routes laid out for us, and we have to choose which door we're going to go through. And the thing is, both have to choose. Now, the fourth route is this. The couple realizes something has changed in the relationship, but they are both determined to do whatever it takes to save the marriage. And this begins by communicating. They both are at that point, and it's what Denise and I did, mainly because of her. She's a good communicator. And usually there will be one in the relationship that is better at being a communicator. And next week, I'm going to give you the skill sets that you both need to employ. So even if you're not gifted at it, you'll know how to do it. All right. Uh, just like you can learn to drive a car, you can learn to do a, build a good marriage. Uh, so at this point, they begin communicating. Now, it's got to be open, honest, respectful communication. 
that they do. But for you to go forward, you've got to communicate. You've got to be willing to sit down, look at each other and say, okay, it's not the same. Something has, has changed in our relationship. And let me tell you something you need to do. You need to lay down some ground rules real quick. And when you do that, and generally it will be the ladies, but guys ought to be the lead in this too. I'll tell you what, I respect a guy that would sit down with his wife and say, listen, something's changed here. But, and I'm willing to work through this because I love you so much. I want us to work this out. See, Denise and I both realized that Yeah, we could have at that point just decided to bug on and go find. And I want to find with some other woman that feeling that, oh, wow, where it's just love. And she could go find it for another man and and we could have gone on. But the trouble is, even in that relationship, sooner or later, you come back to that point. Because when you do that, you just go back to, you know, to point one and you still going to walk this path. And all of a sudden you're at point four again or three. And here you are again. Now what you can do is those that have serial marriages that just go back and, and they, what they do is live the first couple of years together and they just do that a bunch of times. So they can keep having that and you see it like in you know, Hollywood and all that because they, they don't want to move past that. They don't want to have to require something of themselves where I'm going to change. And I don't want to fool with having to tell you how you need to change. And and so it's too much trouble. But Denise and I came to that point. We sat down and she said, Steve, something has changed. Something's wrong. And I knew this. And she told me this. She said, I want to work this out. I want us to fix it. And I knew I didn't. I'd rather fix it with her than have to fix it with somebody else. And so we... You need to set the ground rule when you start and say, now what we're going to do is not about me telling you how much of a failure you are or how you irritate me or how I don't like you, but this is about us building something because I want us to make it. It's not about me. It's about us. Now let me tell you this. The wonderful, powerful reality is this. No matter how long a marriage has been in limbo, no matter how long it has been at that place where we're past the in love phase, but there is nothing there that really we call a relationship. Oh, there's, we live in the same house, we talk a few times, but there is not a marriage there. It doesn't matter how long, you may have been stuck in that 30, 40 years. If the two people, though, will suddenly say, you know what, I don't want to go to my grave being in a marriage like this, but I don't want to be married to anyone but you. Why don't we fix this? And the amazing thing is, no matter how old we are and how long we've been together, there is that ability. If both people will say, let's work on this, let's make it right, then you know, statistics show in practically 100% of the cases, they're able to do it. It's amazing. It's as if God really wants you to make it. And he does. All right? Now I want to give you some helps on how to actually go through that process. How do you do that? How do you sit down and actually sit and talk and say, okay, 
Let's work this out. Number one, here are some helps. You must realize that recognizing and not liking the flaws you see in your mate is a good thing. It's not all of a sudden a discovery that I married the wrong person. It's the discovery of why you're married. Let me say that again. Recognizing and seeing all these flaws and they've been sudden and where our natural self will say, oh goodness, no, I married the wrong person. No, it's not that you married the wrong person. It is showing you why you got married. Do you remember? Back in one of our earliest sessions, we said marriage is the greenhouse for growing the best you. You see, and you need a life coach to help you grow into the best you. And so God said, I'm going to give you a life coach. It's called your husband. He's called, she's called your wife. And together, you're going to build each other into a better person. All right? Are you with me? You see, when you recognize the flaws, the things that are wrong in your mate, you're finally realizing why you are together. To help each other. Listen to this. Marriage is about helping each other become the best self. Denise is helping me become the best me. I'm helping her. See, my ultimate role as Denise's husband is not to provide for her and protect her. That's a part of what I'm to do. But that's not my ultimate role. My ultimate role as God designed marriage, we're talking about God's plan, not the world's plan now. In the Bible, God's plan for marriage is this. My ultimate role for in her life is this. God, you know, I'm supposed to look at Denise and say, I've got this one life with her. I've got this one opportunity. I want to make it the best life she could ever have. And I want to help her become the best her she could ever be. Instead of me not liking her flaws, I want to help teach her into her best self. And she does the same for me. You see, marriage is really about loving someone so much that you are willing to spend your life helping them become the very best they can be and the best we can be. And you'll never do that if you... Just say, well, I'm just going to ignore their flaws. I'm going to ignore this. I'm going to ignore that. I can't stand it. He irritates me to no end, but that's okay. I love him. I'm just not going to pay any attention to it. I can't. I mean, she makes me so mad. Doggone it. Uh, and I'll tell you, that's why I come over here and talk to you guys. Because I'm telling you. Oh, mercy. But I'll tell you what. I love her. I love her. Well, if you love her. Here's what God wants you to do. Marriage, you're supposed to do this. Better are the wounds of a friend than the flattery of someone else. 
Here's what God wants you to do. God designed the marriage where you go over and you sit down and say, Sweetheart, listen. I know that there are things that I do that irritate you and there's things you do that irritate me. And the reason I see them is because I want to help you. And the reason you see my flaws, I want you to help me. And so let's help one another become the best me I can be. The best you, you can be. So we can be the best us we can be. Now see, that takes love. That takes love. That takes you believing marriage is not something you have that you've got, but your life is what you do. Your job, you're this, you're that. You know, all these hobbies, all these things. You know, isn't it? Marriage is because we spend, I would say, I would say, the vast majorities of marriages in America today are in the land of limbo. They're in the land, a place of nothing. That's why we have so many problems with adultery and pornography. Pornography is a door that when we start searching outside of the relationship, when I can't find what I need in the relationship, and I'm not talking about weird kind of sex. I'm talking about when something's missing. You, you see, when you can't get good food, you'll go eat bad food. And it's not the fact that, well, we have sex. But, what, but you see, sex, we have sex, but we're not really giving of ourselves. Are you with me? And see, you were made, God made you to give yourself first to Him and then to another human being. Unless, the Bible says, unless you have a gift. To where your life is just for God and no one else. And we talked about that in our first session, our second session. See, marriage is not about, she's not, Denise is not to, to help me become the best pastor I can be. Yes, she's my cheerleader, but that's not the main thing I need out of Denise. It's not help me be a better pastor. Because that's not my life. It is what I do for God. It is not my relationship with God. And it's not the most important thing in my life. I'll leave, listen, I'll leave this in a heartbeat to keep that. And she knows it. She matters more than what I do. I will, honey, listen, thank you. I'm telling you, Deb, I'll go out. I know how to work. I can work as hard as any young man. I, I may not work as long, but I can work as hard and usually harder than most of them. Okay? Because I knew how to work. I was raised working hard. I mean, I've done it on construction jobs. When I'm remodeling a house or something, I get out there. And Denise would tell you, she's watched me, you know, a man in my 60s out working guys that are in their 20s. And she's told him, she said, look at that 60-something-year-old man over there. He's out working you. But you know what? If I had to, I'd go get a job. I'll go do what i got to do to keep that. Because she matters more than this. That's not saying you're not important, but you're not as important. She's number one. And if you want a pastor that you're more important than his wife, I wouldn't go to that church. I wouldn't take my wife to that church because he might want to counsel my wife. Okay, 
The first step then, are you with me? Let me wrap this up. The first step is you need to realize the reason I see things in you I don't like. It's not because I married the wrong person. And it's not because I just got to swallow it and take it. It's because I am your partner in life. And my job, the reason I'm seeing it is to help you. Like a coach helping a little kid learn how to play Little League or soccer. What kind of coach would never tell a kid? I wouldn't want a coach coaching one of my grandkids that he saw how, you know, my grandson Dylan's playing basketball, but he's not doing things right. He's messing up, but he just doesn't care. I don't want that. I want a coach that says, son, here's, you're doing this, but if you'll do it this way, you do it better. Why? Because that's the only way you can get better is somebody to tell you this is what's wrong. Here's the way to do it right. Now, That doesn't mean that the mate always knows what is right. But I'm going to tell you, the fact that they see the flaws, because they'll see them better than anybody else. Denise sees the flaws in me better than anybody other than Jesus. And the wonderful thing is, she loves me. And she loves me enough to say, Steve, you know what? The way you do when you're busy and people walk in the room, And this is a real conversation. When you're focused on what you're doing and people walk in the room, you won't even acknowledge them. And if you do, it lets everybody know you're busy and what you're doing is more important than they are. And I say, I know. And she says, well, change. And I said, you know, okay, help me. Why? Because she's good at that. Okay? Like there was this Years ago, there was an usher. He'd always come and say, hey, pastor. And the first thing I'd say is, oh, why wasn't that taken care of this morning? That's jerk. And Denise would tell me, quit acting like a jerk. And you know what? I could say, well, you know what? I'm the man. Wait, I am the man. I'm the man. Or, you know what? I can say, you're right. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better me. And so I role play, and the guy would come in, and he'd say, hey, Pastor. And I'd say, hey, how you doing? Did I want to say that? No. I wanted to do what I was doing and get the job done. And, and my thing is, let's go reach the goal. Then we'll have a party. Denise says, no, why don't we have a party while we're going? Because what if we don't make it there? You know? And so I role play with the guy until it becomes natural to me. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm able to, sh- I do care, but I'm able to show I care. And so it's better for me because he, now they don't live here now, they live in another city. Uh, but I mean, if you talk to him today, he said, Oh, Pastor, he was, he's such a loving, kind, gentle man and just cared about everybody, got time for everybody. He didn't realize that Denise helped me to be that way with him and me be a better person. So you first realize what your role is. Number two, you start talking. You got to talk with a purpose. And that purpose is to build a better marriage. You've got to learn to communicate your true feelings and concerns without great emotion. 
Begin by agreeing that your relationship is what matters most, and that is the purpose for this. And say to each other, what we're about to do, there are going to be things that are said that hurt you. But my purpose is not to hurt you. It's to help us. And agree that you refuse to run from the issues. You're going to face them and make it better. If you have this commitment that I'm telling you, you're well on your way to a great marriage. The third thing is create a vision together of the marriage you want. And then point four is if you need help, seek it. Don't be afraid to go to get help. I would go, I would recommend the first place, find an older couple that has a good marriage that has been down the road and sit down with them and say, listen, we're trying to build a better marriage to get what you guys have got. Can you help us? Here's where we are. Here's what's going on. Then the last thing I would tell you is let God help. Let God help you. Let God help you. You remember my quote from the first session was from William Shakespeare's play, Henry V. This quote, God, the best maker of all marriages, combine your hearts as one. There's no one on planet earth that desires your marriage to be good and all that it can be more than God. He is for you. He loves you and he cares about what's happening in your marriage. And he's not going to condemn you. He's going to help you. And if you'll ask God, if you just simply say, God, help us. Help us. Denise and I, of all the, in all the things we went through, there's nothing wrong with going to counseling. We totally understand and believe that. And if that's what you need, absolutely don't hesitate. We didn't know about it. We didn't know to get counseling. But here's what we did do. We said, God, We've made a mess of this. And it's all broken into pieces. We can't put it back together. Show us what to do. And God started helping us. Now, it wasn't a moment. If you want an instantaneous thing, it's not going to happen. But God began to work. And he put the pieces back together. He took us on a journey we're still on today. All these years later. Let's pray. Father, Lord, marriage can be seen in relationship building. It can seem extremely complicated, complex, and confusing. Things come in, and before we know it, it seems like there's so many things that are in our lives and so many things that have gotten between our lives. We don't know what to do. But God, you see everything perfectly. You see where we are and you know what we need to do. I ask you, Father, for every marriage in this building and for everyone that is listening to this broadcast, I pray for there to be a humility in their heart 
that they would humble themselves and just open their heart and simply say, God, please help me. Show me what to do. And Father, as they do that, I pray that you would intervene. I pray that you would begin to move things out of their way that are the hindrances and that you would begin to help them tear down the wall that is separated and and pluck out all the things that have created the hurts and that are stealing from the marriage of God. And I pray that healing would come. I pray that you give them wisdom and take them on a journey for healing in that marriage. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Guys, listen. Refuse to stay where you are. Refuse to let you and your relationship with your mate stay the same. Determine, make a choice and decide it's going to be better. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it better. I'm willing to take the steps. I'm willing to work together to build something here that is wonderful. My friend, listen. God wants to help you. He'd love to help you. He'd love to step right into the middle of your relationship and take your marriage on a journey into complete wholeness and to a land of wonder where it is a beautiful thing and there is nothing like it on earth. It's the only place the Bible ever spoke about having heaven on earth in this life. Only place. God said you can have it, not in a church service, but in the home. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.